Hi, and welcome to the Into the Wolf podcast, a podcast about uh, communication and leadership. And I'm the host, Seth Rigoletti, a leadership coach. And this is uh, this is an attempt. This podcast is an attempt to sort of offer the question of what does it actually mean when people say just be yourself, right? Just trust yourself. And how do you actually do that? And how does that actually happen? You know, when we talk about authenticity, we talk about um, clarity and you know, just speaking from your heart, like what does that actually look like? Uh, so, so this this is about the ways that we need to change and the ways that we need to think differently um, in order to do that. And that comes from the willingness to be brave and to think differently about ourselves and therefore the end of the wolf, which is this thing that has to happen. You know, it's scary. It's, uh, it's transformative. Um, it's a harbinger of something that big that's going to change. So here we are. Uh, today's podcast is about self-doubt and self-trust. And it, you've probably heard this before, but you've probably heard about this concept of, a, of imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome is, you know, it's talked about every once in a while. It's it's brought up in the in the media, but it's talked about as uh, the feeling like people are going to find out that you don't actually know what you're talking about. And I can remember uh, back the first, you know, when I first I was like in my early 20s, so probably 23, and I I was teaching my first English class and. I stood in front of the class and I had this moment of, oh, oh, everybody in this room thinks I know what I'm talking about and I don't know what I'm talking about. Probably at that time it was true. Uh, you know, probably didn't know what I was talking about, but that feeling like you uh, you don't belong, the feeling like you're going to be found out, that is such a common feeling amongst professions. Like. You, when you poll CEOs or leaders of organizations, you know when, they, when you ask them like, "What's the thing that plagues you the most?" I mean, once they get past all the other the things that actually are happening in the day, like regulations or their own organizational challenges or the market, you know, usually what it comes down to is that when they go to bed at night or, or when they wake up in the middle of the night, the thought through their head is. Oh, oh man, I'm going to screw this all up. This is, I've made these changes. I've done these things. I'm wrong. What if I'm wrong? You know, that, that comes down to not so much about what if I'm doing the wrong thing. That comes down to this concept of, of doubting yourself, doubting your, your true self. You know, what if I, I fundamentally am wrong? You know, when I stood in front of that classroom at 23, uh, it would have been appropriate to say, hmm, did I really, like, I, I doubt that I really prepared well enough for this class today, because the truth was, I didn't really know what to do at 23. I was, I was guessing. So it was probably accurate that I hadn't prepared enough. But the, the thought that I am not enough, that, that I somehow am not up to the task of standing in front of a room of teenagers and helping them understand something, the idea that I fundamentally, there's something fundamentally missing for me is, is not helpful. And I'll explain a little bit what I mean by that. So doubt is actually a tool that we use uh, in our rational brains to figure out whether or not something is, is um, appropriate or not, whether something is possible or not. 
So for example, I, I might choose to walk on a tightrope and step out on a tightrope over a 20 foot drop. And the question, am I enough to step out on a tightrope is a really ridiculous question. There's no, there's no uh, enoughness about that. But the question, do I actually have the skills and the training to step out on a tightrope and not fall down? Do I actually have that? And that actually, that, that is really good use of doubt. I doubt, you know, this, that this is really true. You know, it, delusional people tend to believe that they have skills that they don't actually have. And um, another version of this, you know, this doubt piece as a tool, is when we become really you know, sort of committed to a thought, to a belief, and that belief is driving all of our behaviors, and it's getting us into all kinds of trouble. In other words, it's creating tension in our life. It's creating difficulties in our life. Then if I, you know, if I, if I think, for example, if I have this belief that I have to be right, that that's the most important thing. I have to be right all the time. And I'm getting feedback from people saying, you know, it's really difficult having conversations with you because you always have to be right. And you win these battles, but, you know, no one wants to work with you. That's, that's a moment where, you know, it might be worthwhile spreading a little bit of doubt on the idea that I have to be right. That belief that I have to be right, that, that concept also comes from this concept of perfectionism, this idea that I actually could perform perfectly. And that gets actually, when I talk about perfectionism, that actually roots back or circles back to that self-doubt. Because in my in my experience, and I and I went to a, a workshop once uh, with Daniel Goleman, where he talked about perfectionism as this uh, way for creating an anxiety loop, where we actually start to lose ourselves in the belief that it's not so much that we can get something perfect. It's not so much that we could get this task perfect. It's that if we could get the task perfect, we would be okay, which creates tremendous internal anxiety for us. Because if we don't feel okay, if we have fundamental self-doubt, then then in my experience, the more I try to make things perfect and the more I still feel not okay, the more anxiety I have about getting things perfect and it creates this crazy judgmental loop in our own brains and it really impacts our communication and the way in which we interact with the world that's been again my experience as a coach uh seeing how this desire not not this is not a criticism of wanting to do exceptional work this is not a criticism of you know if you're an engineer or you're you're, you're doing something where you're creating something in, in, in the seeking of perfection of the actual task or the, the actual thing. That's not a criticism of that. It's a criticism of when that is tied directly to your sense of self-worth. If I try to be perfect, 
in all these different ways of my ways of, of relating both to other people and to myself. If I try to be perfect to solve for something that feels like it's missing inside me, I'm going to create this negative loop where I'm always using the things outside me basically to, to re it's weird, but to reaffirm the feeling of not enoughness, right? This imposter syndrome. I can never solve for it. And, the, and there's this really interesting thing that can happen when you put that on its head and you thought, if you think to yourself, what if I believed that I already belonged? What if you believed that you belonged here? That you didn't have to prove it, right? It, it wasn't a question of, um, are you good enough? Are you smart enough? Are you, do you work hard enough? But you just, you just belonged. And if you just believed that you belonged, um, how would that change the way that you behaved? How would that change the way that you thought? So again, using that doubt, spreading it on a little bit on the perfectionism, that idea that there's something, you know, that, that something to solve for you, the imposter syndrome concept, like spreading doubt on that concept, that I am a, 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 somehow a charlatan or, or I'm faking it and I'm not, I don't really belong. If I spread doubt on that and then I put in its place this other belief, which is that I already belong uh, anywhere I go, I already belong. How would that change how much I trusted myself? How would that change the way that I approach challenges or relationships or high stakes moments, right? Moments where I know that I actually have to perform at a very high level. I have to communicate something. I have to influence something. I have to motivate people in a certain way and, and the stakes are high. And, and if the stakes are high, guaranteed, um, if I'm not willing to be vulnerable, if I'm not willing to be open and connect, then you know, things just don't happen the way that I want them to. If I, in other words, they don't happen the way that they could. They tend to uh, go awry because I get defensive or the room gets defensive or tight. And uh, Emerson had this great um, quote. I mean, he had lots of great, <laughs> it's like sort of the, the great motivation quote generator uh, of the uh, 1800s. But he this great quote where he said, self-trust is the first secret to success. Self-trust. And, you know, if we go back to this concept of self-doubt, right? If that, if, if we take the self-trust and, you know, take what he said and said, okay, well, so let's just say we believe in that. Self-trust is the first secret to success. Then what is self-doubt, right? Self-doubt is, is almost a guarantee for failure. And by that, I don't mean Oh, what a bad person anybody is for doubting themselves. No, no, this is an incredibly human thing to do to ask, you know, do I really belong? Do I really, um, am I really enough? It's hugely human, seems to be a hugely human concept, you know, uh, conceptual belief that, that maybe I'm not enough. But if we take that and we flip it, we say, okay, you do belong. And we say self-trust is a secret, right? This is the key to being successful. And actually, Muhammad Ali talked about this when he talked about his, you know, why did he keep uh, thinking that he could do these things in the ring 
that nobody else thought he could do. You know, why did you think that you could um, beat Sonny Liston when Sonny Liston was so so scary to think about? And he and he would say, um, "You got to have faith in yourself." And I always believed in myself. I, it's a paraphrase, but I always believed in myself. And okay, so what would that look like, right, for the rest of us, for the rest of us mortals? Uh, you know, people like Muhammad Ali and Emerson, they get kind of put up on these pedestals, but like, what about me? I'm just a, I'm just a regular person trying to figure out my way, trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. And I love, I love what the improv teacher, uh, Keith Johnstone says about, about this, where he, he encourages people I know this is a little controversial, it's a little provocative, he encourages people not to do their best. He said, don't do your best. Nobody does their best when they try to do their best. He says, uh, he actually goes so far as to say, just be average. Now, that, that gets confused. It gets very, it's very confusing for me, and I did the workshop with him, and I heard him say it a number of times, and I, 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 I kind of clenched every time he said it, because Nobody wants to be average. <laughs> Nobody wants to, and and it, and it gets against some grain. Maybe it's the the Yankee, uh, New Englandy part of me that says like, mm, I don't, you know, it's not. That's not. That seems it seems uh, amoral, right? To 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 not do your best. Seems it seems against something fundamentally uh, important to to not come out and work hard. But that's actually not what he's saying. He's saying. He's saying. Be average, which is actually just saying be. Don't try to be more than anyone else in the room. Don't try to think that you're going to solve for you. Don't try to prove prove that you're exceptional. Just be. You are. You belong. And if we start from that place of being average, just being one of the people in the room, then you get to do all these exceptional things. And it's not tied to your identity, your sense of self, your your fundamental right to be here. It's not tied to that. And I don't know about the rest of you out there listening, but the voices in my head tend to tell me things they tend to not talk to me very well. And by that, I don't mean I'm crazy. <laughs> I mean that the way that I talk to myself when I make a mistake, when I fail, and by failure, that could be like a wide range of things, right? It's not necessarily not do well on an exam it's, or not do well in a test. It's, it's a moving target. I don't know about the rest of you, but it's a moving target. You know, I, I can set a goal for myself, meet that goal, but then compare that goal to other goals and think like, well, it wasn't really that big a deal. It wasn't really that great. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm no Muhammad Ali, right? Like I'm no, I'm not famous, right? And we can do that to ourselves in comparison, which diminishes the voices in our heads tend to, if you're like me, they tend to talk to me or talk to you in a not so nice, not so comforting way. And that's, I think that's what Muhammad Ali was actually getting at when he was like, I don't talk to myself like that. I talk to my, I tell myself really good stories. 
I tell myself, you, you know, positive things. And athletes who are successful, you know, they train their minds actually to say really positive things to themselves so that they can uh, have the courage to show up in a, in a way where they, they're showing up with their full selves, their full selves. And there's a, it's a great quote from this. Um, I'm not going to get it perfectly, but it's from the book, The Inner Game of Tennis. And Tim Galway, who wrote that book back in the 70s, and it's just a, still a timeless, such a good book for all things, not just tennis, um, all things business-wise and, and other things in terms of how you're being in the world. And he, he talks about teaching tennis, and, and he was watching this one particular player that he was coaching, he hit the, he didn't hit it with his backhand well, and it went into the net. And he said to himself, the coat, the, um, the player said to himself, um, no, bring your hand up. And then Tim, the coach who wrote the book was sitting on the sidelines and he goes, huh, who's talking to who in that moment? You know, who's, Who's he talking to, right? He's talking to himself. But then I was, then he started thinking about it, and this you can get this more in the book. He's like, who are we talking to when we talk to ourselves in that moment? What is happening? And what we get at is that these voices that talk, the way we talk to ourselves actually impacts the way we think about ourselves. What, I mean, I think if you were to do a, my guess is if you were to do a scan of the brain, when people are having those conversations, they're actually lighting up very specific judging parts of their brain and shutting down the more natural intuitive parts and I don't know if that's accurate but it feels like it feels like that's what's happening to most of us we don't become intuitive when we talk to ourselves we become tight and the it's the intuitive part that we need in those moments of performance in those moments of communication where really all we want from someone is their is their full selves you know we don't want I've never had an experience with someone personally where I was like, oh, could you, could you judge yourself more in this moment? That would be really helpful for me. Could you be more judgy of yourself? Could you put yourself down more? Could you doubt yourself more? Like I've had people could, you know, who I've talked to who are delusional, who I've, it's like, oh, you're, you're divorced from reality. But, uh, but I've never talked to somebody who said to me, um, when they're doing something well, and they say, I'm not good at this. I've never said, oh, that's really helpful that you told me you're not good at this thing that you're doing well. That's never been helpful to me. And if you start from this concept of self-trust being about trusting you as a human being, you are, you can be here among us and, and we're okay with that. And actually, that's actually a lot of what we want from people is just to be here. Then you can't actually get it wrong. You can't actually get this part wrong. You are all we've got of you right now. You are everything we've got of you. And and when you're gone, you're gone. That will never be back. So the struggle, the struggle of, of trusting ourselves, the struggle of believing that I have worth beyond just what I do, right? Like I have worth being my average self. <laughs> that struggle is real. But you just, we just don't have to indulge in this attitude that there is something fundamentally wrong with me. 
as, as a human being, as an as a essence, there's something wrong with me. If I can let go of that struggle and I can just be myself and trust myself and then actually like improve how I do things, get feedback, get criticism on those things and not see those things as about my essence, but in my worth and my value, but see them more as like, oh yeah, like that's either helpful or not helpful. If I can do that, what I've noticed and what I've noticed in clients is that when they do that is that they become more radiant, more resonant, like almost like they stop trying to prove that they're perfect, that they're okay, or they belong, and they just belong. And they actually seem quite perfect. And I don't mean that like perfect in the sense of some kind of perfect being, but they're perfectly them. They're 100% perfectly them. And really, that's all we want, right? That's all we want from other people, even if we don't know it. We love people who love themselves. We love them so much. We're so appreciative of them. So self-trust is the first secret to success. Thank you, Emerson. If you have to choose between self-trust and self-doubt, I would always go with self-trust. And if you're going to doubt anything, doubt your beliefs that hold you back, right? Doubt the concept that you have to be perfect. Doubt the idea that you don't belong. Bring doubt to um, the, 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 your skills, right? Like, do I actually know how to do this thing? And then you can sort of look at it and be like, yeah, I actually do know how to do this thing. Or I don't really know how to do this thing. And I should probably work harder at it. Uh, all those things are helpful. But doubting yourself and doubting your own right to be here and whether or not you belong, that is not helpful. So again, I'm Seth Rigoletti. I'm your host of Into the Wolf. This is a podcast about authenticity and communication, honesty. And I just uh, thank you so much for being here with me for this last 20 minutes or so. Uh, you can find me um, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please leave a comment and a, a like and share it if you will. And you can find out more about me at sethrigoletti.com. Thanks so much. Bye.